Hi, and welcome to eTalmud 2.0. We are on 7a, Zion Amad Aleph, the very top of Moed Katan. And we will begin in Moed Tov. Um, I hope everyone had a wonderful, wonderful Pesach, wonderful Seders. Okay, um, we're going to quote from the Mishnah, Rabbi Huda Omer, Mishteha Ilan Kedarko, Mishteha Lavan Shalok Kedarko. Rabbi Huda said that you can trap rodents from an orchard in the usual manner, but from a grain field, you're only allowed to trap them in an unusual manner. And the idea is, is that trapping rodents is a malacha, is one of the forbidden labors on Yom Tiv. So on Cholmoy, we're able to be more lenient. So we'll be completely lenient for an orchard because their rodents are extremely detrimental. Um, from a grain field, it's less detrimental, so we only allow you to do it if you're going to do it in an unusual manner. Tan the rabbis taught. Ketza Kedarko, what does it mean in a usual manner? Chofer Guma, Vatolaba Matsuda, you dig a hole and you put a trap in it. Um, that's the usual manner. Ketza Shlo Kedarko, what would be the unusual manner? Noet Shbud, Umaka Bekordom, you put a spit into the ground above where this rodent burrows or lives, and then you strike it with a hammer. Umaradeha Adamami Tachteha, which then flattens the ground beneath it. Um, and then basically, so this falling earth comes and it traps the, the rodent. Um, that's the unusual way of doing it. Tanya, we learned in Abrais, Shem Shemanalazar says, Kisha Amru Lava when they said that you have to trap a rodents from a grain field on Cholamoid in an unusual manner. Lo Amru that's only true if the grain field is near the city. But if you have a grain field that's near an orchard, then a filukadarko, then you could even trap in the usual manner. Why are you allowed to do that? Because the concern is, is that perhaps the rodent will go from the grain field into the orchard, be a huge detriment, destroy the trees, and um, and in such a scenario, we allow you to. We allow you to do the trap even um, even in the usual manner. All right, we're now going to talk about the um, the next part of the Mishnah. Umekarnas appears Moed. You can close a breach in a fence surrounding a field on Chol Moed. So close a breach in a fence surrounding a field on Chol Moed, and then when the Mishnah would continue to say that in Shemitah, you can build even a new wall in a usual manner. So now we're going to talk about what this means. You can close a breach in a fence that's surrounding a field on Cholamoid. Ketzim Nikarim, how do we close the breach? Rav Yosef Omar specifically with palm fronds and laurel. In other words, you do something that's not a permanent fix, because a permanent fix you wouldn't be allowed to do on Cholamoid. So you do a temporary fix, and a temporary fix would be palm fronds and laurel. In our brisa, we taught you pile up stones, but you can't smear them with the cement. So, again, it's some sort of temporary fix, but not this very permanent type. Um, so, what do we say? So, the Mishnah had said that you can close the breach, but you're not allowed to rebuild a wall. So, Amr says, this is only true concerning the wall of a garden, um, because if someone breaks through this this breach, 
it's not the end of the world. Um, it's not going to be a huge detriment if someone gets through this poorly rebuilt breach or poorly um, hold closed up breach. And it's not the end of the world. But when it comes to the wall of a courtyard, then you can even build it in the usual manner. Because then we're talking about some real losses that can happen. A thief can come in and um, take off with valuables. So that's when you can... So then you can um, definitely repair it in the usual manner. Lehman Masayale. So now we're going to say that the let's let's say that the following brisa supports Rav Chista's differentiation between the wall of a garden and the wall of a courtyard. So the brisa says as follows: If you have a wall that is leaning into the public domain, and again it's a wall of the courtyard. And it's le- it's starting to lean into the public domain. Soser uvone kedarko. You should you should demolish it and then rebuild it in the usual manner on chol hamoid because of the danger that it can collapse and injure people. So we see very clearly that a courtyard wall is actually different than a garden wall. So then we say, but wait a minute, just because, so so we have an answer though. So seemingly this would seem to tell us that a courtyard wall is different than a garden wall and therefore it's a garden wall that you're not allowed to rebuild completely, but but a courtyard wall you are. But the obvious answer is, is this is obviously not a good proof because Hasim Kitakitani timer, there the reason for the lenient ruling, it's like the Brisa says, because the wall may collapse, it's dangerous. But we don't have a necessary proof, we don't necessarily have a proof that in a case where the where where it's not posing a danger rather just it's not able to keep people out that all of a sudden you're allowed to rebuild it completely in the usual manner on Cholhamoid. Um okay so the Ikadamri and there's some that say that the Brisa that we just used was not brought as a proof for of Chistab that a wall of a courtyard was able to be rebuilt in the usual manner but rather was a challenge to Rabchista. And this is how it worked. Tashma this is how the challenge was brought. Tashma, come learn a refutation of Rav Chista's ruling. Kosal ha-gochel If you have a courtyard wall that's leaning into the public domain, right, and it looks like it's going to fall, so Sarvona Kedarko you can demolish it and rebuild it in the usual manner on Cholamoid because of the danger that it might impose. And then the 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 sage that brought this Bryce as a refutation of Rav Chista, as a refutation of Rav Chista, made the following inference, because of the danger, you can rebuild the wall in the usual manner. But if it's not for danger, if there's no dangerous danger factor here, lo, you can't rebuild it in the usual manner. Seemingly, this would be a refutation of Chista, which says that you can rebuild a courtyard wall even when there's no danger, just it's a matter of keeping people in or out. We're really keeping people out. So Amla Rav Chista, Rav Chista would respond to you, Hasam Sosaravona. There, where you have a danger that you can even demolish and then rebuild the wall. So two malachos, two two forbidden, generally forbidden labors. Hacha here, where it's not a danger being posed, Bona Velo Soser. Here, where he's just saying that you can rebuild the wall if it was breached, but you can't demolish it for the purpose of rebuilding. Um, so that's that's how Rav Chista would answer. Hasam um, Nami, but now the Gemara is going to have a question. Hasam Nami, Lister Now, in reality, we should ask this question on the Brisa. There too, in the Brisa's case, where it poses a danger that it may fall, why let him um, let him be allowed to demolish the wall to get rid of the danger? 
But why would we allow him to rebuild it on Chal Hamoid? So we answer, Imkain Mimna Velososer. If so, that we only would allow him to demolish, he'll then refrain from demolishing it because he doesn't want to leave his courtyard unprotected. So in order to ensure that he eliminates the danger, we also let him rebuild it on Chal Hamoid. Okay, now we're going to bring some support for Reb Chista's explanation that the Mishnah refers to a wall around a garden, that only that you can temporarily fix the breach, but that for a courtyard wall, you're allowed to um, rebuild it as usual. So Rav Ashi, so Rav Ashi says, If you read our Mishnah closely, it infers like this very clearly. Dikatani, because the Mishnah says, during Shemitah, you can build a new wall in the usual manner. Dehecha. Now, what type of wall are we referring to building in Shemitah in the usual manner that we need the Mishnah tells us that it's permitted? If you're going to tell me the Mishnah is referring to the wall of a courtyard, do we need to tell you that that's allowed during Shemitah? Not at all. A wall of a courtyard has no impact, is nothing to do with a field. The only pro reason why you couldn't do anything with walls during Shemitah is that you could see it perhaps as benefiting the crops of your field. Um, and that may not be allowed during Shemitah, but certainly you can do a residential wall. You could do anything you want to resident to your residence and to your courtyards during Shemitah. So obviously the mission is not coming to teach you that you're allowed to build a new wall when it comes to your courtyard wall. It must be that the mission is referring to the wall of a garden. And it's teaching you, and it's teaching you that even though it may appear as though you are making a protection for your produce, which perhaps would be forbidden, which would be forbidden, protecting your produce, because you have to just leave the land fallow. You can't do anything to benefit your produce during Shemitah. So, um, so it must be referring to the wall of a garden. So if that's the case, we learn from here that the mission is talking about the wall of a garden and not of a courtyard. And just like in the case of Shemitah, it's referring to the wall of the garden, we would assume that it's referring to the same type of wall when we're referring to Chol HaMoi. And what the Mishnah is really telling us then is that the garden wall can be repaired temporarily on Chol HaMoi, but the inference being that a courtyard wall can be completely rebuilt. Okay, now we are at the new Mishnah, and this new Mishnah is going to talk about a Kohen going and inspecting Tsaras on Chol Hamoid. So what's the idea here? Tsaras is a almost like a spiritual, physical type of malady, affliction. Um, basically, if you engage in certain types of, of prohibition, such as gossiping, then you may be afflicted with this physical ailment called saras, some sort of leprosy. And basically the idea is, is that you have a patch of your skin that turns very white. And if your patch of skin turns very white, and it also has white hairs or a spot of natural flesh inside, then it is called a, then it's called saras. And when you have saras, you have to go outside of the camp and a whole bunch of rules apply to you until you purify, until the tzras goes away, and then you can go through seven days of purification and then re-enter the, the camp, re-enter the, the, the community. And the interesting thing about tzras is that it's it you becoming impure because of the tzras and having to go to the camp is completely dependent on a kohen 
the priest coming to check it and deciding and then declaring it to be tsaras, declaring you to be tame. But even if, but if you have tsaras and it's just so clear that you have tsaras, but the Kohen did not yet um, declare it, you are not yet tame. It's completely dependent on the words of the Kohen. So that's what's important to keep in mind here. So Rimer says, Rimer Omer, now we're going to start the Mishnah. A Kohen can expect, inspect Saras afflictions on Chal Hamoid in order to render a lenient verdict. So a Kohen can come and check Saras. And if in fact it is Saras, if in fact it is um, leprosy, then the Kohen has to be silent and should not declare it to be tsaras until the holiday is over. And if it's tahor, if it's not tsaras, and if he's really pure, then he should declare it right now. And the basic idea is, is that Rabbi Meir holds, it's de- completely dependent on the Kohen. The Kohen can decide whether he's going to say something or not. And on Yom Tiv, when you're supposed to have this complete type of joy, for him to announce that you are impure would mar the joy of Yom Tiv, and therefore we say to wait till after Yom Tiv to make that declaration. And the sages say, A coin shouldn't even inspect Saras at all during Chol Hamoid, neither to render a lenient verdict or a stringent one, because the sages say that once the Kohen comes and look at Saras, he has to render a verdict. He can't just say, I'm going to push off the the impure verdict until after Yom Tiv. Once he's there, he has to issue a verdict. So what we say is, is just don't bother looking, don't bother doing the inspection until after Yom Tiv. Okay. So now we're going to look at Abraisa. Tanya, we learned in Abraisa. Rabbi Meir, Omer Meir says, Rohan is son of A Kohen can look at Saras on Cholamoy to render a lenient verdict, but not to render a stringent one. Rabbi Yossi says, A Kohen cannot inspect at all, neither to render a lenient verdict nor a stringent one. Because if you involve yourself with this Tzaras to render a lenient verdict, you also will have to automatically involve yourself to render a stringent verdict, like I explained before. The sages, or now Rabbi Yossi, feel that if, in fact, you go to inspect in the first place, you have to issue a declaration, you have to issue a verdict, whether it's lenient or stringent. Amar Rabbi Rabbi says, near in Divri Rabbi Merba Muskar, the words of Rabbi Mer that a coin inspects the affliction on Chalamoy, that appears correct with respect to a confined mitzorah. The Divri Rabbi Yossi B'Muchlad, and the words of Rabbi Yossi, that you don't do an inspection at all on Yom Tiv, that appears correct with respect to a confirmed one. So let's just let's just refer like just explain what this means. What's a confined mitzora? So confined mitzora is if a somebody has tsaras, but they only have the white skin, but they don't have either the white hair inside of it or the little piece of clear flesh inside of it, then they are considered a suffolk. It's in doubt whether they are a mitzora or not, so they have to confine for seven days. And then they're going to be rechecked by the Kohen at the end of the seven days. At the end of those seven days, when they're rechecked, that can happen yet again. And what will happen if they don't have the white hairs or the piece of flesh, they can then be confined for a second seven days. And at the end of those second seven days, then if nothing, if no white hair pops up or no piece of flesh pops up, then what happens is, is they become tahar. They are actually pure. 
That's a confined Mitzorah, someone that's awaiting to see what's going to happen. A confirmed Mitzorah is somebody that the Kohen made a declaration that you are now impure, and now you are outside of the camp um, waiting until you heal. And then you're inspected um, at the end of seven days to see, in fact, if you have healed or not, and if you can begin your days of purity. So what we're saying here is, is that Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda said that the words of Rabbi Meir, that a coin should inspect the affliction, just only render a lenient verdict, that repair, that's true when it comes to a confined Mitzorah, one that's awaiting to see if he will develop real Tzara'as or not. Um, and uh, whereas the words of Rabbi Yossi, V'divri Rabbi Yossi, B'muchlat, whereas the words of Rabbi Yossi, that the coin can't do an inspection, that is true with respect to a confirmed one. Um, and we'll we'll talk more about Rebbe's reasoning once we get to 7b. And before we do that, before we finish off for the day, let's just do a couple more lines. Omar Rava. Rava qualifies the uh, argument between Rebbe Meir and Rebbe Yossi. Bitar. If somebody is completely tar, so has never been inspected yet. So it's not he's confined and he's not he, it's not that he's confirmed. Even Rabbi Meir agrees that a coin does not examine him on Cholamoid because there's no point in that examination. All that could happen is negative. And why would the Kohen involve himself with that? Right? Because right now he's pure. Right now he's Tahar. Right now he's in the middle of the camp. He's good to go. The Hesker Rishon. If you're at the end of your first seven-day period of confinement, Everybody agrees that a coin does examine him on Chol HaMoid. Um, why would that be? Because examining him could only improve a situation, not worsen it. Because if he examines him and sees that the coin and sees that he's actually pure, then he's freed from confinement. And we could talk more about what happens in confinement later. And if the coin finds that he um, has to remain confined for another seven days, he's not any worse off than he had been previously. Um, so then where does this disagreement exist? The Hezkershani. It exists to one who's at the end of their second confinement. So one master, Ramir, holds that the matter of becoming confirmed of it as a Mitzorah is dependent on the verdict of the Kohen. So it can take place on Chol HaMoid. And what will happen is, is E-Tahar, Amr Le-Tahar. If he's Tahar, if he's pure, the Kohen will tell him he's pure. V-Tameh, and if he's actually Tameh, the Kohen will Shasik, will just remain silent and avoid rendering him a confirmed Tumah until after Yom Tiv is over. Umar Savar, the other master, Rabbi Yossi, maintains that that's not true. Le-Taharo o Once he investigates, then the verse says he has to declare it Tahar or Tameh. He has to make a verdict. There's no pushing it off until after Cholamoy. Okay, we'll stop here for now. Have a wonderful rest of your holiday.